uh, in reverence for the reading of God's word. If you are able, would you please stand with me? Our Old Testament reading today is taken from 1 Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 6 through 14. Then the leaders of of father's houses made their freewill offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because they had been they had given willingly with a whole heart. They had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your, whole, your glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be thus, able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. And our New Testament reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, <clears throat> verses 1 through 7. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overwhelmed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. morning. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, 
I want to say thank you to all of you who have been praying for my family and I as we've been grieving. We're, I'm sure that's the reason we were able to go to Florida and back and be at peace at the same time is because of being supported by the prayers of, of all of you. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we bless your name for this word that you have given to us, a perfect word, forever settled in heaven. Your word that has gotten everything started, Lord, and, and keeps and upholds everything. We ask, Lord, that you, by your spirit, would illumine our hearts and minds as we, as we open your word, as it's heard, as it's spoken, as it's preached, that you, Lord Jesus, would invade our hearts and bring us closer, Lord, and more in love with you and the great grace that you have given to us for the glory of your name. For it is in your name we pray. Amen. This week, as you've heard, we're starting a short series of messages on the grace of giving. And you'll find that, that in your order of worship, the copy of the devotional, it looks like, it looks like this. Yeah, and it's, it's a five days of encouragement and instruction on the call to be generous. Joshua and I are, are, are reading this and we'll be reading this at, along with you. And these devotions, these messages, the messages that we are preaching are, during the series will come from the devotionals. In fact, today's message is from the scripture passage for day one of the booklet. The sermon title is taken from verse 7 of the passage where we're commanded to excel in this act of grace. God's word encourages us to not only give generously, but to be generous. See, generosity is how we reflect God, and it's how we become more of what we were created to be. And now it's easy to see that people in general are not generous by nature. Now, every day we, we witness that, uh, and maybe even as you look in the mirror. But there's a little story. And sometimes, you know, when preachers say that there was a story, you don't know if it was a true story or not. This one could be. But in a church in the deep south, the preacher was moving toward the end of his sermon and with growing crescendo, he said, this church, like the crippled man, has got to get up and walk. And the congregation responded, that's right, Reverend, let it walk. See, it wasn't a Presbyterian church. <laughs> and he added, the church like Elijah on Mount Carmel, has got to run. Run. Let it run, preacher. Let it run. This church has got to mount up on wings like eagles and fly. Let it fly, preacher. Let it fly. Then he added, now if this church is going to fly, it's going to take money. Let it walk, preacher. Let it walk. Let it walk. 
Right, so if we're not naturally generous, then how do we become generous? And the Apostle Paul says it's through the grace that God has given us that we excel in this act of grace. So to excel in, in this grace of giving, the scripture here instructs us to learn the liberty of grace, lean into the power of grace, and love the act of grace. So let's think about this for the next few minutes. Learn the liberty of grace. Look at verses 1 and 2 of 2 Corinthians 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So you see here, this text reminds us, as, as Scripture does over and over again, that grace is a gift from God. And grace is that power that frees us. And so the scripture is teaching us that freedom, the freedom that grace brings is best expressed in generosity. And these two ideas are here in these verses. Did you notice? It, it, it is the grace that God gave among the churches of Macedonia that despite their circumstances, overflowed in a wealth of liberality. That word translated gener generosity is a word that, that could be translated liberality. And that, I mean, it's translated that way in other versions. In the King James Version, it's translated that word. And liberality is a good word because it's, it's a word that, that literally means befitting of a free person. That's the etymology of the word. It, it, and it means to be open-handed, to be generous. The definition, uh, that definition is complementary to freedom. So freedom and generosity, are they go hand in hand. They go together. They're, they're complementary. So to excel in this act of grace, we learn the liberty of grace. And if I'm freed, if I am freed by the gift of God's grace, I should be generous. I should become generous. The Macedonians were given grace that freed them to not be victimized by their circumstances, by the circumstance of poverty. And it freed them from the bondage of affliction. In fact, the text reads in such a way that the grace God gave them is the source of their abundance of joy that overflowed the severe affliction. This gift of God's grace is the fountain of riches that overflowed their extreme poverty. See, grace from God has the power to free us, and this freedom is expressed in generosity. Do you experience the grace of God in that way? Because in our world, freedom, and, and you hear it from the time that you're a child, freedom, it's what the Constitution guarantees. Freedom is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Freedom, that, and, but that, is, that understanding of freedom doesn't promote generosity. Carl Menninger, who wrote the book, Whatever Became a Sin, and Carl Menninger was not a Christian. He once, again, he once asked a very wealthy patient, what on earth are you going to do with all of that money? The patient replied a, a bit reluctantly, just worry about it, I suppose. Well, Menninger went on, do you get that much pleasure out of worrying about it? No, replied the patient, he was honest. 
but I get such terror when I think of giving some of it to somebody else. Yeah, it, terror. If we're, if we're honest, terror is what we feel when we are first asked to give. You know, from time to time, I like to share some Pringles with my granddaughter. She's three. And very aware of what is hers. So the other day, we were down to the last two Pringles in the container. And she had them both, but I took one from her and I put it in, I put it in my mouth just holding it there. She immediately reached up, snatched it. Mine. Really? <laughs> she was terrified that it was the last of the two chips. But you know, there's an inner three-year-old in all of us that needs to learn that liberty of the grace that comes from God through Jesus Christ. That is to know the power that sets us free from the perception that giving is terror and bondage. See, it's cute in a three-year-old. Not so much when you're 61 or 62. I just turned 62. <laughs> but you see, the, free, the freedom is expressed in generosity. So ex to excel in this act of grace, first we learn the liberty of grace and its power to set us free. And then we lean into the power of grace. Look at verses three through five. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You see, grace has the power to set us free, and this freedom is expressed in generosity. Paul, talking about the Macedonians, he refers to the, the way they gave. He says, they gave according to their means and beyond their means. The Greek word for means is the word dunamis. And you've heard that before. It's, the word, it's a word for power. And sometimes it's translated might. It's, it's Romans 1.16, that, that salvation is the power of God. It's the dunamis of God unto salvation. And so this is, this is an idea of, of power, your means, your, your ability. And now scripture always recognizes that one should give according to one's ability. As Proverbs 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. And in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 14, it says, you know, so this is talking about the year of Jubilee. And at the end of that sixth year, you were to set the slaves free. But listen to what it says about setting the slaves free. After they've served, the previous owner is commanded, you shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. Wow. So, see, you, you, God has enabled you to give, and you give according to that ability. So the scripture recognizes that we give according to, to, our, to our ability. But here in the text, Paul says the Macedonians, because of the grace that God had given to them, gave beyond their ability. 
See, that's leaning into the power of grace. So what does it look like? What does leaning into the power of grace look like? Well, this grace freed them and it, and it changed the way that they understood power in the exercise of their liberality. They wanted to give. And look at how they gave of their own accord, the scripture says. They weren't manipulated, they weren't guilted, but they gave willingly. And then they're, they're eager to give, verse four says. They were begging us, Paul said, and they counted it as a grace. They counted it a grace. That's that word, favor, a grace to give. First, giving themselves to the Lord, then to us, Paul said. And what does this leaning into the power of grace do? Well, it brings relief. It brings relief to the saints. Verse four, the latter half says that. So they were helping their Jewish brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Hence the term fellowship. There's a t- that word koinonia is, is in the text where when, he's talk, when he talked about taking part, they were begging to take part. That taking part, that's that word koinonia. And it's a contractual word. It's a business term that, that said, I am in league with you. I'm in contract. I'm covenanted with you until, and I will supply for you until the goal is fulfilled. That's what they had. That's what they were eager to do. They counted it a privilege to participate in this giving. Have you thought about it that way? Have you thought about generosity? Do you, do you count generosity as a privilege? See, excelling in this act of grace, to count, to count the grace of giving as a privilege, it means you must love the act of grace. Look at verses 6 and 7. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And see, Paul is using the example of God's grace given to the Macedonians to encourage the Corinthians to do something that they had said they were going to do, that they had already started to do. Paul bragged to the Macedonians about Corinth, and he writes this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 2. He says, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. You see what Paul is doing? So this, this is a rhetorical tool that moral writers of, of his day used to persuade their audiences. Greg Keener in, his, in the Bible background commentary, he notes this. He says, the technique called comparison often served to stimulate moral competition. They would appeal to ancient city or to an ancient city or geographical rivalries to spur their hearers on to greater zeal. See, Macedonia and Corinth were such rivals. They're getting this competition, this competing of, of who's going to give the most, who's going to, who's going to give better. You know, and now you might be tempted to think that they're being manipulated by the apostle. However, I would remind you that this is all in response to the grace God has given. Grace inspired the Macedonians to compete with Corinth. You get the picture? The grace of God 
is motivating these Macedonians to compete with these Corinthians in order to provide for these Jews. You see what, this is what, this is only the grace of God can do that. So any, and you, so any, act, any act of generosity on the part of human flows out of the grace that God has given. Any act, any love, any, any, any compassion that, that humans might show, it all flows from God, since he is the one who is, he's the fountainhead of it all. God's grace, God's grace enabled the impoverished Macedonians to give. This is what Paul is saying. And if it, if it enabled these poor Macedonians, what does the grace of God, the grace that God has given, to the rich in every way. This remember that was the testimony of the Corinthians. They were rich in every way, and Paul says it here in the text about how they excel in all of these gifts. And, and he said, so, and so if they are rich in every way, what should the grace that God has given to them do? So Paul's exhortation is to say, yes, since you've excelled, you have excelled in other ways, pull it all together by excelling in this act of grace too. Love the act of grace and follow through. You see, our tendency, the, the human tendency, is to suppress the act of grace with our own rationalization, justifying why we don't need to be generous. See, that only, that only means that we don't understand the grace of God, the grace that God has, has given to us. Do you love? Do you love the act of grace? See, there's only one way to love the act of grace. It's to keep taking in the knowledge of the act of grace that has brought you to God, that God has, has given to you, and you take this into your heart. I like something that the expository commentary says. It writes, it says this, grace without giving is fraudulent and no real grace at all. Giving without grace is moralistic do-goodism and only makes cranky Christians crankier. <laughs> but when the grace of God and the gospel outrageous and undeserved in defiance of what we most deeply deserve comes washing into our hearts, our clenched hands soften and we are released into the joy of generosity. Yeah. You see, to excel in this act of grace, we must learn the liberty of grace, lean into the power of grace, and love the act of grace. But now, where does Paul, now where does Paul get such ideas about the grace of giving? Well, we read it in, in, our, in our Old Testament reading. It's from David's collection for the building of the temple. You recall, you recall the Old Testament reading, and how did, how did they give? First Chronicles 29.9 says, Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. So they gave willingly, they gave wholeheartedly in response to the Lord's grace. And as verse 5 in the, in the text says in, in, in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 5 reminds us that they gave themselves first. They consecrated themselves to the Lord. So this is why David prays in, in verses 10 through 14 
Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. See, everything Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 8 about the grace of giving is revealed here in David's prayer. And it can be summed up in this way. Lord, you've made us your people through the new covenant of Christ's blood and body. We give to you because you have given to us. And what we give to you is already yours. See, David and the people of Israel did this as so, so that a dwelling of God might be built. But brothers and sisters, there is a dwelling of God that Jesus, who is the true David, is building. You know what it is. It's called the church. Hallelujah. And he builds it. And not, with, not with material that we supply, but out of the provision of his body and blood. And Paul would tell us how this grace comes to us in 2 Corinthians 8 9, where he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So think about this. Next, when you think of giving, when you, th- when you, when you, when you think of giving, when you, when you make that, that offering, you know, as, as you drop it in the plate or as you click on that link to designate or, or, or however, it is, however it is that you give, when you give, look at the cross. See Christ. Look at the cross. Because there, your heart will be softened. There, your heart will your fist is unclenched as you give as Jesus. You see how Jesus gave. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. How can you look at the cross and say, God, I can't give. His poverty makes us rich. Not the stock market, not the sales in in your business, not in being awarded a a big bonus or, 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 or having bigger houses, but his poverty makes us rich, rich toward God. And it's as you look at the cross, it's as we see what Christ did for us on the cross, that this grace that is given, this generosity that he pours out in his love, it teaches us that to give is to gain and to keep is to lose. You see, Jesus, by his cross, took on the terror of giving. Hallelujah. 
so that we can give without fear. Christ frees us at the expense of his life. And we become generous. We become generous. We can be generous as we let the grace of Christ shape us and supply for us what we lack. Love, faith, holiness, righteousness, justification, sanctification, wisdom, acceptance from God, all through Christ. And all of these lavished on us extravagantly through the prodigality of the Father. See, through Christ's generous grace, we become more of what we were meant to be. Grace is the power that frees us. And the greatest expression of that freedom is generosity. So we want an opportunity. We want an opportunity to express this. We have one every Sunday. We have an opportunity every Sunday. But here's, 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 a, here's a special one, and it's there in your order of worship too, uh, the compassion offering. So over the next four weeks, we can take this as an opportunity to express this freedom by being generous in helping to provide for, for South Sudan refugees that are in, in, in refugee camps in northern Uganda. Now, I've been to I've been to northern northern Uganda. I've, I've been there. I've been there among those refugees. I've celebrated with them, and it was beautiful worship. And the poverty is unbelievable. I mean, that was years ago. Was, the poverty there was unbelievable. And if the if that poverty, the way it is now with COVID, and with no access to any vaccines or or any or that type of treatment, you know, here is an opportunity for us to help our brothers and sisters through Mission to the World. Mission to the World is our, our, our denomination's missions arm. And as a church, as a church, we want to bring relief to these brothers and sisters, to the fatherless, to the widows, to orphans there who are suffering during the pandemic. And you can give, you can give. There are ways to give, there are ways to give. That's, that's displayed on the screen there. So we're gonna do this through the deacons. Since this is a mercy, it's a mercy act, we're gonna do this through the deacons. And it's, so the compassion offering, you can give, you can designate it as, for, uh, so there's a link that's gone out and you'll, you'll see it in your emails. Uh, there's a link that's gone out and you can use that link and you can designate for the deacons the compassion offering. And also you could do it, write a check and designate it as, uh, to the deacons uh, for the compassion offering. And so we're going to do this. We'll collect it over, over four weeks. Now, you want, if you want to give once for four weeks, that's fine. If you give every week, that's fine too. You know, <laughs> however you do it, just, just, just give for, for this. So that at the end of the four weeks, we'll report how much is collected and we can celebrate the giving to the Lord of what he has given to us. And in this way, as a church, we can excel and can show and demonstrate that we are excelling in this act of grace. So come, all Christians, be committed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, let's pray this together. It's, it's there printed for you. Heavenly Father, we praise you for you are perfect in your generosity. You willingly share from your infinite abundance and find great delight in doing so. You do not hesitate to give good gifts to your children 
including the unspeakable gift of your one and only Son. Help us to find this same joy in giving, imitating your own generosity toward us. May your Holy Spirit search us and show us where we are withholding resources and open our eyes to see the great privilege of giving. Give us wisdom in stewarding the money, relationships, and callings you have entrusted to us. May your name be magnified in all aspects of our lives. Amen. Amen.